0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
1: You're listening to Double G Radio.
0: Call so the non-believer. How did that? Call so the non-believer. Anybody can be beat. The waiting is over.
2: Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of ball proteins in the concrete jungle. Can't wait!
1: Oh, yeah, we are back here on the Big Apple. Show. Sports Hour with Stopsky and G. I'm your host, Greg Larner. We're here on blogtalkradio.com for Double G Sports Radio. We're waiting on Matt Stopsky. He is going to be a little bit late. He ran into a quick meeting change at work, and yes, it is. 12.30 on a Monday, so we do have Deal with the work schedule a little bit. Those of you who work the normal day, the nine to fivers, people such as myself work in the four to midnight, five to one o'clock, three to eleven, things of that nature, 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. even. We don't really have to deal with that, and that's why I can be here talking with you. So, Mastowski, he will join us here on the Big Apple Sports Hour in just a little bit, but he wanted me to kick us off solo style. As we get rolling on this one-hour program here on a Monday, hope everybody had a great weekend. It was uh, it was it's a pretty nice weekend out there, and uh, I, I had myself a pretty good weekend. had a uh, Had a graduation party, and actually, kind of a, a related sports-wise a little bit. I um, I had, I had coached a baseball team last summer, and. While coaching that team, made connections with, you know, a couple of the kids and strong connections where, you know, they felt like I really influenced them to, to get going with college or, you know, keep going with baseball, things of that nature. And one of the kids, actually, at the end of the season, he come up to me and said, hey, you know, I just want to say thank you. You know, you, you kind of inspired my college essay, or at least beginning of it, uh, with something you said to me early in the season. And I was like, really? You know, I, I didn't even, I had no idea even what I had said to him that that would have inspired him. You know, I didn't give any kind of crazy Vince Lombardi-esque speeches or didn't pull anybody aside to talk, you know, one-on-one about their, their career or they're playing, you know, baseball or anything like that. So I was a little confused, a little perplexed, if you will, as to how I could have inspired him. You know, I, I you know, sometimes it, inspiration happens when we don't even realize it. And I think that's one of the great things about sports and about being a coach uh, to, to younger people is that, you know, you could do something completely unrelated and and it somehow could, could inspire somebody, and especially kids, to look up to people. You know, they look up to their coaches. They look up to their mentors. And this one kid, I had given him a nickname in the very beginning of the season in the winter when we did our winter workouts. I called him Johnny Rockets, the same Johnny Rockets. I was thinking of the fast food at the burger place, or maybe not fast food, but the burger place. I called him Johnny Rockets. He was, you know, he's, he's slender, he's quick, he's a quick fielding infielder, um, you know, he can hit the ball a little bit, he's got a good, pretty good swing from the left side, and I called him Johnny Rockets, and, you know, they kind of clicked for him, and I called him, you know, Johnny Rockets throughout the entirety of the season, and you know, it didn't really even occur to me that that would influence anything, but. You know, uh, apparently it influenced his college essay, and, and it was great. He sent it to me, and and uh, we, he, he sent me an email, and we've been kind of just catching up a little bit, and, and he asked for my address and invited me to his graduation party, his high school graduation party. He's, he's going off to school, and, and hopefully he going to continue to play, but but even more importantly, hopefully he gets a good education. I'm sure he will at RPI. So that's my buddy uh, John Lazinski. Uh, wishing him all the best uh, out there, and, and again, very appreciative that he invited me to his graduation party. That was it was it was pretty cool. Uh, talk about a, a really high, nice house in, in Connecticut. They had uh, a tennis court, basketball court, uh, you know, right on the tennis court. Kind of a big pool with a hot tub over there, you know, kind of attached to it in the same area. A very nice house, uh, and then I still had room in the backyard. For a big tent with a cater party, a DJ, a dance floor, tons of tables and chairs. It was uh, it was good. It was good to hang out with the uh, with, with some of the kids that I coached last season and, and some of the parents that I'd seen and, and kind of got to know over the course of last season too. So that was that was my weekend and, and also sports related. I, I played in my first ball games uh, since uh, since about December 2015 was the last time I had played baseball. Uh, I was kind of on the injury swing. And then I needed to kind of just throttle down and, and just kind of let my body rest and recover and get better and work on getting myself stronger again. And, and I finally felt like I was at a point where I could I could try to play and not just play one game. We played two games yesterday, yesterday morning at, at eight o'clock in the morning. And that was, uh, it was a little early, but you know, I, I think when you're anticipating something and, and you're excited for something, your body just kind of wakes itself up and you really can't go to sleep, and, and I, I went to sleep a little bit later than I wanted to, and I couldn't sleep any later than 5.30. I just, you know, I, I was I was figuring to leave around 7. I got up at 5.30 and, you know, made some breakfast, watched some TV, hung out with my dog for a little while, and then went to play. I, I was excited, and, um, you know, it felt good to be back out there. Didn't get any – didn't collect any hits. Uh, we won the first game off the second game, two 7-inning games, and, um yeah it just felt good to get back out there 0 for 4 between the two games with uh but I hit the ball hard twice and and I was uh, I was happy about that my first at bat line right to the shortstop a hard line drive and uh I uh it, you know, it just felt good to be back out there played some first place base played a little second base and, and for those of you who know me played first base in college and it was yeah it was, I hadn't played first base in a while so it was uh it was good to get back out there didn't have any crazy plays out in the field but um yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was just good to be back out there, see some of the guys that I played with on uh, previous years. So, enough about that. Let, let's talk a little bit about the show. Like I said, hopefully you had a good weekend. But if you'd like to give us a call, don't don't mm, please feel free to nine one four three three eight zero eight nine seven. That's our number to get in touch here on the program nine one four three three eight zero eight. Nine seven. If you're a little bit more on the shy side, you you can, you can always tweet at me specifically at Glarm glarn thirty four. That's g l a r n thirty four, or the uh, the show Twitter at stop and g. Uh, you can also get us on Facebook at stop and g podcast, and uh, we'll uh, we'll answer any of your questions that, that you have. And, and we have a guest coming up in in uh, just under ten minutes. Dan Yanovsky, the lead met writer. For Double G Sports, had him on last week. He was a, he's a phenomenal guest, one of my my good buddies, and uh, one of my colleagues actually at, at work at MLB. So uh, it's good. They're going to be great to have him on, and, and we'll talk Mets with him. What what can he can what he expects out of the second half? Did the Mets any have have really any magic? The last couple of years, they've been a, a second half team. So I want to get his thoughts. You know, after they they take two out of three, and finally they play some good baseball at home. Uh, a little disappointing yesterday that Stephen Matz could not complete the sweep of the Colorado Rockies, that would have been a big boost to the second half because the Mets just can't worry about just winning series. They have to sweep some series. You have to sweep some series you're not supposed to, and you cannot get swept because you're putting yourself behind the eight ball right now at 41 and I believe 48, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Yeah, 41 and Forty, yes, yeah, forty-one and forty-eight. They're thirteen games back of the Washington Nationals, and in the wild card, it's it's not great either. You know, if you if you go and you you look at the wild card standings, it's you know it's they're nine and a half games back with a ton of teams in front of them: Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Atlanta, the Cubs. Contend with the Cubs, and right now Arizona and Colorado are in the two wildcard spots, and, and Colorado's up by five and a half games over the Chicago Cubs. So it's going to be a tough hill to climb, and I want to get Yanovsky's thoughts on that. He was also, as we talked about last weekend, he was in sunny Miami, Florida for the All-Star festivities, and, and he actually got a little souvenir for the Home Run Derby. We'll touch on that. And uh, he, was, he was out there for the All-Star game. So I want to get his thoughts on some of the things that uh, that happened out there in the in, in you know for the All Star festivities and whatnot. But I wanted to first touch on. I'll just touch on this for a couple minutes here, and I'm sure maybe Stopsky when he jumps on whenever he gets able to get on. Uh, talk a little bit about this later as well. And we'll get into the Yankees. Don't worry, Yankee fans. We'll talk about your Yankees and uh, how they're faring lately, which is not not been great. But you know it is what it is. And uh, in a, how about the New York Knicks? I, I kind of wanted to start off and, and touch on the New York Knicks is always a hot-button topic around New York, and uh, first of all, if you haven't heard and you've been living under a rock, at the end of the week last week, they elevated Steve Mills, who was the GM, to President of Basketball Operations, and they've hired Scott Perry, former executive with the Sacramento Kings. He was also in terms of, I believe it was player personnel executive with the Detroit Pistons, and that's when they were winning their, you know, they won their championship back in the early 2000s, uh, where they won the title in 2004. Yes, he was the director of player personnel, uh, and he, he had a hand in putting together those Pistons teams in the 2000s. And if you remember back, those teams, they reached six straight Eastern Conference Finals and two consecutive NBA Finals, winning in 2004. So this guy has been around basketball. And this is the one good thing that I really like about Scott Perry. He is a basketball guy through and through. He's been with the Seattle Supersonics. He was in Detroit. He was in Orlando and most recently in Sacramento and now to the Big Apple but this will be his very first time being that lead dog in the basketball department for a team. But he says, you know, he did an interview while he was with the Kings and talked about how he learned a lot from Joe Dumars of the Pistons. He said, and I quote, this is an article from Newsday. One of Joe's lines was no no agenda." The only agenda is winning. That's something I've carried with me throughout my MBA, my career in the NBA, and that's what I hope to carry with me in my next spot when I get an opportunity to run one of these teams, end quote. And now he's getting that chance to run one of these teams. And it happens to be our New York Knickerbockers. And you know what? We'll see what happens. I'm excited about the prospects of Scott Perry coming in here. I like what he brings to the table. I, like I said, I like that he has that basketball acumen. That's huge. But also, I was kind of looking forward to David Griffin. You Because know, when we talk about David Griffin and how that deal fell through and it came out why it fell through, it was because James Dolan didn't want to give him complete control. Over everything, he would have, you know, he would have been right up there as, as the president. And I don't know if you know, we we know Griffin or it's not Griffin, but Dolan has has some problems trusting some people, you know, that are already there. He doesn't like change, doesn't like big change. And that's what David Griffin was proposing: some big changes to bring his own staff in there and kind of clean house. And as a Knicks fan, that would have been nice to see. I would have appreciated that. I would have respected James Dolan a spec more. Be it hired somebody like David Griffin to come in here, clean house, and kind of start fresh. Press the reset button. Get the rest. Of, and I'm, i I, know I hate to do this, and I'm, and I'm saying, you know, fire people, get, you know, take people out of their, their, their jobs. But everything that's been going on there, it's just not been good. And something needs... And I know it's not going to change. Joel, I know Dolan's not going to change. He's not going anywhere. Mr. Moneybags isn't going anywhere. But at the same time, it would have been nice to bring somebody in who's just below Dolan and clean out the rest of the people that have been here for however many years that have been associated with these really bad Knicks teams. Clean them out and bring in a whole new cast of characters. Instead, we get... An elevated character who was already in in, in, the, in the plot points, and we introduce a new character in Scott Perry, and this will be the first uh, African American, you know, duo president GM in NBA history. So, making some history here, at least with uh, with James Dolan. And now my co-host is on the line, so let me bring him in. What's up, Maddie? How are you? How was that How was, meeting?
2: Oh, it was lovely, man. It was lovely. I got to talk to my buddies down in uh, West Palm, which is always nice uh so it was uh, it was good man but uh, i'm sorry, it took a little while to get to uh to talk to you but I'm, I'm here now, I'm ready to talk whatever part of the segment you're up to <laughs> well
1: that's good yeah you missed uh you missed me telling my story in the beginning from my weekend uh how I played in uh my first two baseball games in about a year and a half and and how that went but um we've I'm, actually got sure not <laughs> uh it went better than I expected actually. I didn't hurt myself. I'm still here. I made it back in one piece.
2: You know, when you get to a certain age, that's all you're really going to ask for.
1: That's it. And I mean, a bunch of the guys that I played with are, are in their 40s, so they're, they're more hoping that than me. But, um, but yeah, I survived. And, and I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. But, let's you know, speaking of, of Florida and whatnot, let, let's bring in Dan Yanofsky, lead Met writer for Double G Sports. Dan, what's going on?
0: Hey, guys. Nice, uh, thanks for having me back again.
1: Yeah, it was a debate, but you know, in the end, you, you made the cut.
0: <laughs> yeah, glad was still loved. It, it
2: was, it was a great debate. Greg, goes, should we invite him on? Yeah. All right, cool. That's <laughs> a, what, what, what. What a debate! It was riveting. You should have been there for it.
1: It was. <laughs> <laughs> riveting stuff riveting stuff all right so Dan let, let's start here you were down in Miami like we talked to you last week when we were having all kinds of issues here you know hearing you on the beach or wherever you were you, you said you snuck into some cabana or something like that
0: yeah I, I it was like the um, beach like person who worked there I just snuck behind there so whenever they opened the door they were just seeing me squatting the floor and talking to myself so probably Weirdest thing to happen in Miami, but close to it.
1: <laughs> what was the weirdest thing?
0: I'm sure you can probably take a guess. It's Miami. Anything can happen. That's a solid point. That's a very solid point.
2: Nice. Well, I had, did you have a good time uh, when you were down there? You had fun?
0: Yeah, it was. It was very fun. I'll give you uh, uh, some advice. Never go to Miami in the summer, because that that's not smart at all.
2: I can only imagine it's brutally hot right now in Miami. I can't do that. No good. No bueno.
0: Yeah, my, my bald head was getting a little uh, too too much sun. Yeah. And I, I oh, you got
1: to make sure you, you sunscreen it up.
0: Oh, I, you you think I haven't tried that? It's, it's hard. It's hard in the world for me. <laughs> The, oh,
1: the the implications of being bald. I, I remember one time I was on vacation, and this is when I had like shaved head. You know, my hair was very short, and we were on a family vacation to a Caribbean island. And I didn't bother putting any sunscreen on my head; didn't think about it. And the next thing you know, I've got you know sunburn on the on my scalp, and my head's peeling, and it's just disgusting. And it was uh, it was not good, not good times. So I feel you.
0: I appreciate it.
1: All right, so let, let's get into the nooks and crannies of the festivities. Let's start off with the home run derby first and foremost. And Matt, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if I told you, but Dan actually came away with an Aaron Judge home run ball.
2: You didn't break your hand. Uh
0: so the roof almost broke. Like I was sitting in the uh, in left field, uh, right behind Merlin's man, actually, and. It,
1: Who was accompanied by a ton of gorgeous women, as I saw on a Snapchat.
0: That was actually during the All-Star Game. He was accompanied with other beautiful women known as Barstool Big Cat uh, from Barstool Sports. Nice. Uh, And so I was sitting in left field where all of his home runs were getting hit, and I was terrified for my life, but the best part was he hit it so far that it just bounced off the roof, so any damage that would have been done was already placed, whether he broke a window or a pole. So he broke the, like he hit the uh, window and it bounced back into the seats. And my dad and I were there and we were managing to grab the ball. But we ended up giving it to this little kid because I think it, he deserves it more than a guy who who's got a chance to go uh, from New York to the All-Star game. You're too nice. I always told that kid to go away. Grab the ball <laughs> That's what run. I said. I'm
1: like, I would have kept it's, that ball.
0: It's a better story to tell than saying that I kept the ball for myself. That's no, not take that ball and run. Uh, you,
1: I don't know about just, that. Just
0: just cut
2: out the part about the kid. Be like I got this ball. What about the kid? What kid? Yeah, that's it. Done. Done. <laughs> I I just improved your story.
0: <laughs> that's fair. I guess I guess uh, I'll have to take your advice on how, on how to. Uh, Edit the story down a little bit to make it better.
1: But you have to, you'd have well, to well, actually show smart. people the baseball.
2: Yeah, no, my, my version of the story has the ball in your possession. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. You it, that's what we it
0: social better. media. Social media is kind, of, kind of there. It's there forever.
2: But no, you, you could have grabbed that ball. You could have taken a, a double G logo, slapped it on there, given Ooh. one of, one of our, our starting things. Now it's now some little kid has it.
0: Ooh, that was a good one. Dan, All right. What are you time? doing? <laughs> next time.
2: This is why you need me down uh. in
0: Miami, Dan.
2: This is why you need me down there? Uh you, wouldn't have, you said you you said it time.
1: yourself. You wouldn't you wouldn't have survived in Miami.
2: Well, I'm fat, but there's A C in Miami, right? There's air conditioning. I'm fine. I am yes. on the beach.
0: <laughs> we'll we'll work on Washington next year. That sounds oh. even better.
1: Oh, even worse.
0: <laughs> Worse. That's so Washington. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. the Washington Nationals. I don't want to have it in their park.
0: I actually enjoyed their stadium. Uh, so you, you might you might enjoy that stadium if you happen to go. Ugh.
1: Awful. I'm I, well, I'm probably nope. not going for the All Star game, but I, I would like to go for a Mets Nationals game when the Mets actually get their fish together. But well, before we touch touch on the Mets, what, what, how was the All Star game? Or you know what was the what was the atmosphere like? You know, how was the game? You know, the, everything like that.
0: I will say it was a lot more. It was more crowded in the uh, during the home run derby than it was during the All Star game, and I feel like the atmosphere was more welcoming. It was much, it was much more intense during the home run derby for obvious reasons. Now that you're not really playing anything for anything during the All Star game. But it was all fun and games. Uh, they, uh, they had a nice ceremony celebrating the past uh, Cuban players and all the Spanish players and all the foreign-born players, um, considering that there's a lot of uh, Cubans and whatnot in Miami and Florida in general. Um, I'd say the game was pretty good. I got to see Conforto. I was, we were chanting him on, getting a Let's Go Mets chant. Uh, in our in our section, and I got to see the ball boy himself. Uh, what's his name? That the guy that grabs all the uh, balls for the Yanke- during Yankee games.
1: Oh, the ball guy. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Yeah. Well, yeah, well that, while you uh, while you looked at while that you camp looked camp that up, there there actually there there was they were actually playing for something, and and yes to. To, to the players, it probably wasn't a lot, but to us, it would be a lot. They were playing for 20. The winner, the, the winning team, the players got 20 grand each, and the losing team got nothing.
0: Ah, all right, I guess that's fair. It was Zach Hample, by the way. That, that Zach Hample. Hey, uh, I, I don't mean to bring it back to the home run derby real quick,
2: cause, uh, but I also didn't speak about it before. before. Uh, what was the reaction of the crowd when Gary Sanchez beat John Carl Stanton in the first round of the uh, home run derby?
0: I saw a lot of cheers, uh, just like impressive claps. Because one, there's a lot of New Yorkers in Florida to begin with. But for someone that quote-unquote shouldn't have belonged there, he proved that he can hang with the best. And I, I think people were impressed more than anything. They were a little, they were very disappointed that Stanin', uh was gone. They love Stanon there. They loved Boer, too, but uh, the people in Miami adore Sanon. But Sanchez got a lot, of, a lot of people talking, and it was very interesting to see people turn from hitting on the guy to appreciating what he has done so far in this tournament. Now, yeah, we well, it's mean, uh,
2: time to, to see the new format. Now, I know I really didn't like it when Greg – told me about it, but uh, I, I kind of liked it after, after watching it. What did you think of the format, uh, for then, for the Home Run Derby?
0: It was interesting uh, watching it live. I'm personally a fan of the 10 outs that they originally did, but that's just me. I, I think the new format can be shorter a, a little bit just because it, it still went on long but the idea of them fighting for a certain ma- a period of time was definitely interesting to say the least. I think that it made the competition great, especially towards the end when Sano needed to hit all of his home runs and Cody Bellinger was able to last long. It, it made for some exciting moments, especially when there was at least like 20 seconds left on the clock and people were rushing. And the most interesting one, uh, New Rule, was uh, once you hit it past 440 feet, you get the extra time limit, and so people were just rushing to get it. And when it did happen, it was it was pretty fun to watch the uh, the rates against the clock. I will say that
1: Dan Janowski, you're here with us, the lead Met writer for Double G Sports, and and you had mentioned. How Giancarlo Stanton got taken out. You also mentioned there was big support for Justin Bohr. How about Justin Bohr, man? He put on a sh- he put on a freaking show uh, in that first round uh, against Aaron Judge, no less.
0: I I gotta say I'm I'm scared of that man because he plays the New York Mets almost like every day, and it, he has power. He just doesn't show it every day. And the home run derby showed that if he is on, like if he has all the momentum in the world, nothing can stop him.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, he did, he did really well in that, uh, in that first round. And I'm a little disappointed that, you know, we didn't get that matchup maybe later because, you know, they were pitted against each other, Bore and Stanton, or Bore and, uh, not Stan, but Judge in the first round there. And, and I thought there were a lot of good matchups, there a lot of close close calls in the first round, so it was uh, it was definitely a fun event. But let's go over to the New York Mets now, and they uh, they just finished taking two out of three from Colorado this weekend, and uh, you know Sandy Alderson came out and said that you know we have to play exceptionally good baseball, you know basically the rest of the way if we want to have a shot at this thing. Uh, decent start, but for my money, I I think the Mets need to start scooping some series, and then they need to start winning some series, maybe on the road, and maybe maybe even more specifically at home, because they haven't even even really been that great at home. What do you think it's going to take for them, and do you think that they have any chance at at making a run at this thing in the second half? Because the last couple of years they've been a good second half team.
2: One second, Dan, Dan, before you answer Greg's question. Decent start, man. That's 23 runs in two games. Decent start. This guy. This guy wants the world over here. Ridiculous. 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 It's, it's, so not ridiculous.
1: About, it's not about those runs that you put up. It's just about Ws. I don't care if you put up 23 runs or two runs as long as you win.
2: 20, 23 to 5 in the first two games. It's amazing. I'm, it doesn't I'm matter. It's only, it Nick. only
1: equates to two wins.
2: Dan, you're the expert. Uh, answer Greg's question. Greg, got a problem with you.
0: I have no to agree with Greg here uh, just because wins are important. Yes. The runs are great, but if you can't get a win with the amount of runs that you produce, there's a problem. And I'm glad that the Mets got two out of three. What I would love, or what many fans would love, is to get that Sunday win. It seems that they struggle on Sundays or just to Mm -hmm. get the sweep because I don't think they've had a true sweep in a while. And it was a great start. Don't get me wrong. The last game was a major disappointment. Now, I said the last time I was on, I'm giving the team two weeks, I guess, in order to see if they're buyers or sellers. Based off of the past three days, I could see them being buyers. However, they need to actually be consistent with their wins. You cannot score ten runs one game and then two runs the next game and lose. It's just impossible to – be that inconsistent. You have to be consistent in order to uh, become the sellers, uh, the buyers that we want them to be.
2: Yeah, I understand that. But uh, again, do they have to be either a buyer or seller? Can't they just stay kind of status quo, kind of stay the same, maybe get rid of a veteran that they know isn't going to be there next year, but not necessarily be sellers or buyers? Because even if they go on a ridiculous tear, they are pretty far back in the wild card standing. Uh, but they're really not playing for this year. They're playing for 2018. We know that the team, minus injuries, is a pretty phenomenal team. Do they have to do either one, or can they just focus on getting healthy and focus on their young stars coming up?
0: Well, the one thing they need to buy is a uh, bullpen because that is the one thing that is keeping them from actually just doing it on their own. The bullpen is the major factor for this team. And it's great to see that Cespedes looked healthy until he might've injured himself uh, sliding on the field. But the the all-star break was great because it gave their entire team a break. Healthy is great. Bullpen still looked like the same old bullpen that we're normally seeing. So, maybe grab a reliever that is not being used uh, to their full potential, uh, bullpen member that's not being used to their full pot- potential. I'm not sure who's out there that the Mets can grab just like that. But at the same point, if they want to be serious, and if, I think a buy- being a buyer, especially as a bullpen guy, can definitely be beneficial towards this team. Daniel okay, well, here I, with I, us
1: on. Oh, sorry,
2: Matty. Uh, it's all right. But I'm still thinking buy low. You know, if they're gonna buy buy low. You know, right? I don't want them trading any any prospects uh, for you no know, for any of these guys because, like I said, they're not playing for for this year.
0: <laughs> I mean, again, anything can change. Anything can happen. We could see them come out of nowhere and be like Noah Syndergaard said, a second half team. Because with Syndergaard actually might be going to the bullpen. when So that will be very inter- interesting to see how the rest of the rotation handles that and what role Syndergaard will actually have in the bullpen. To the long man that goes like three innings that could help save the bullpen and give them some rest because they need it. They really need it.
1: Yeah, they, they need some help. They need some length out there. Again, Dan Yanofsky here with the Big Apple Sports Hour with Soski and G. dot com for WG Sports Radio. Talking a little Metsies right now, and, you know, you, maybe Gazelleman can be that guy if the Mets, their starters, come back healthy next year. And, and again, it's such a big question because we, whether it be Simgaard, whether it be Harvey, whether it be Matt, who's been often injured, uh, you know it, it seems that Grom is the one constant yes he had that little trouble at the end of last year, but he 's a fighter that guy he gets through a lot of things and, and we 've seen him pitch in big moments and and he 's been kind of the most consistent out of any of these guys and uh, so maybe Gazelman can be that guy to come into the bullpen next year and maybe provide some some length out there because we 're seeing that kind of slide from the you know the you know the the standard reliever and I think the best the best example of it is Chris Davinsky with the Houston Astros, Astros who was an all-star this year and can pitch multiple innings and usually does pitch multiple innings in a game and just can shut down for multiple innings. And if you can have that, that can save other guys in your
0: bullpen. It's a good point. Uh if, if I can mend something, I'd also – The uh, bullpen –
2: Hey, Dan, did you lose you? Danny. Yeah. Dan? Oh, there. Yeah. Uh, we lost it for a second. You, you, were, you were saying something, and I think you were traded mid-sentence. What happened?
0: Oh, sorry. Um, I would say put Matt in the bullpen instead of Gazelman. Based off of his performance recently, you can see his arm, who has been injured, and it, it provides a lot of depth within the bullpen, because I think that if given the opportunity to just relax and go with the minimum amount, Mats can uh, fuck majority of fans. Mm, Dan,
1: you, you lost you again there.
0: Uh, hold on a second. Can you hear me now?
1: I yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, you, so you want Mats in the bullpen? What were you saying?
0: See how inconsistent he has been in the rotation. Bullpen role would be perfect for him.
1: That would be interesting. That's uh, that's an interesting point because, like you'd mentioned, he's been kind of off and on, injured, and, and you know, if if that elbow is really something that's going to be giving him a problem, and there's no structural damage in there, maybe limiting him and scaling him back uh, might not be a, a terrible idea. Uh, so. With uh, with the Mets coming down uh, the stretch here, I mean, we're looking towards what they have coming up on the schedule. You've got the Cardinals, um, who haven't been playing great this year, but they're still the Cardinals, and you know, and it's at home, so maybe we can take advantage of that. And then you've got a couple winnable series here with the A's and the Padres coming up seven games between them. What kind of run would it take for them to kind of get themselves back into, okay, we can kind of start thinking about this team as maybe a team that, that might actually contend a little bit this year, or do you think it's going to kind of go south on us?
0: They need to sweep the A's. That's the most important thing they must do. And within that, they have that two week span sweeping, the A's will help bring them their stock up in my opinion.
2: That's fair enough to me. Okay. So, what happened? So that's, that's, that's fair enough to me. You know, sweep, done. <laughs> Raising the stock. Yes. How do you raise stock? Yeah. Well you win. All right. It's good. <laughs> Back to basics. <laughs> I like it.
1: <laughs> very, very basic. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Also, and uh, they're going to be on the road to, to face the Padres. I think getting those, those wins on the road is going to be tough. Uh, I, I know the Padres aren't great, but just being able to take care of business we've seen over the years that, that sometimes when the Mets are supposed to take care of business, they don't. And, uh, you know, especially last year when, when everybody thought they were dead and buried, they were actually able to get themselves into that number one wild card spot. Uh, so, Dan, I appreciate it. Thanks for some time, and uh, we will see you around the MLB offices.
0: Sounds great. Thanks for having me again, boys. Let's go Mets.
1: Let's go Mets. Yes, let's go Mets. Dan Yanovsky. you can also find him on Twitter, at Dan Yanovsky. And, you, of course, you can read all this his stuff on Double G as well. Always informative, and, man, he should have kept that ball.
2: I know. I know. Ugh. I don't get it.
1: I was getting on him a little bit yesterday at work, and and I was and I had asked him. I'm i, was sitting, I was sitting right next to him all night, and I go, "Yo, when are you bringing the air Judge ball in?" And he goes, "Oh, what do you mean? I gave it to a kid." I'm like, "Are you nuts?
2: <laughs> I, I I would never do that. I I am not. That you good.
1: have you have well, obviously not, but you have the you know the opportunity." of lifetime to be at a home run derby and to catch an Aaron judge home run. I mean, I know Aaron judge is going to hit a lot of home runs in this day, but still, you know, that's an opportunity and, and a souvenir that, that is not easily easily come by.
2: Yeah, no, that's that. That was uh he's a nice man. I would absolutely never do that because yeah, that, that's too nice. We have, a, we, have a, we have a superstar in the making right here. And he's like, eh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just kidding. Yeah, I mean, I like, give him credit because that, like we said, that's not something you or I would 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 do. But you know, more power to him.
2: Yeah, no, I'm good for him, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, so, I, I I I know you you already spoke previously about the Knicks. But would you would you mind uh would you mind entertaining me for a second and uh and allow me to talk with you about the Knicks now that we obviously have a, a general manager in place and. Shell is gone forever? Of course not.
1: Uh, and, I mean, if, if you would also like to get involved, we can also invite the, the, the listeners to get involved. They can give us a call, and then you guys can chime in and, and give us your thoughts on, on on Scott Perry and Steve Mills and the whole mess that is the New York Knicks. Again, that number is 914-338-0897 uh, to get involved with us. Again, 913 nine seven here on blog talk radio.com. Yeah, go ahead. Entertain me, get, you know, share with me your thoughts because I, I really only spent five minutes um, uh, on the Knicks before you guys got in here before we went to Dan, I was talking about my weekend and the, you know, the baseball and just kind of blabbling on. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I, I just want to talk to you briefly about, you know, now we have a GM. I, I, I don't know a ton about uh, this man's history and, and what his management style is. Um, but I, Definitely want to talk about how he's going to work with Melo, how this whole Carmelo Anthony situation is going to run. Now I know there have been rumors about him going to Portland. There have been rumors about him going to Houston. Uh, but when, pretty much when the new GM got uh, got named, trade talks kind of halted for a bit. You know, they like it felt like Melo was going to be a Houston Rocket until that moment, uh, and then it's been kind of dying down a bit. Um, I think you and I can definitely agree that – I'm not sure how you feel about Carmelo as a player, uh, but this whole Carmelo-Phil Jackson uh, saga looks really bad on the part of the Knicks of how they not just treated their superstar, but just treated the player. Uh, They treated him like dirt. And uh, do you think that the new GM is going to try to see if he can mend the relationship with uh, with Carmelo, or do you think he's still going to try to trade him? Well, uh, what what do you think? You know, how would you feel about uh, how about about him them keeping him or trading them? But I w- want to get your opinion on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as far as Mello goes, you know, I, I love him as a player. Uh, I, I'm oh, I've always been a big fan of Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you know, in, in terms of scoring, yes, I think he could do a little bit more defensively uh, you know, I would like him to be a little bit more of a leader, but that's, that's honestly not who Carmelo is. He hasn't been that. He's never going to be that. He, you know, he's just never been that type of player. And you look at those teams that, you know, that one good team that the Knicks had, uh, back, what was it in 2012, uh, when they won 54 games and they had a lot of veteran leaders on that team and Carmelo didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was basically just not screw up, just, just, just go out there and score the basketball. That's all they needed to do because they had Jason Kidd there, Rasheed Wallace, all those guys, uh, Tyson Chandler, guys that would help lead that team. So he didn't have to. But now that you know, when they signed him to that max deal a couple of years ago, Phil did, and they kept him here in New York, they kept him and and brought him back under the pretenses that he would kind of be that leader. And and you thought maybe he could be because. You know, maybe he's a little bit older, he's a little bit more mature, and you did see him start to do some different things that we hadn't seen him do in the past, whether it's rebound the basketball, try to get his teammates involved, but but that was the problem because there wasn't great players around Carmelo Anthony. And if you don't have good players around Carmelo Anthony, he's very limited. He feels like he has to take it on his shoulders and to take the shot. And And, I mean, give him credit. He tried to kind of get his teammates involved, but – you know, when you're passing to Sasha Vujacic and, and and Courtney Lee, and you know guys like that, Ron Baker, you know the, the Lance Thomas. There's there's not a lot that you can really expect. I know you've got Chris Paul Porzingis right there with you, and I, I need to see a little something out of Porzingis this year. But um, from what I heard, uh, with the Houston deal, was that that deal? was on the two-yard line, to put it in football terms. I know you like the football terms. Um, that deal was on the two-yard Yes, the two yard line. And I remember one of my friends texted me that, and I said, man, just let's punch it in. Let's get him out of here. And I, like I said, I love Carmelo Anthony, Matt. I do. At the same time, I realized as a Knicks fan that the Knicks can't go forward until Carmelo is out of here, and we can get rid of that money and we can get some other players in here, and we can start building around Christoph Sporzingis, and eventually, when he matures a little bit, Frank Milikina. That's, that now, was always my, my thought.
2: Well, I, my, my issue is, I, I, I've heard this a lot, that you know, the Knicks can't move forward until Anthony's off that roster, which I find, A, to be totally ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to free up all those cap states for people to come here. Nobody wants to come to New York. Absolutely nobody. We treated our.
1: I mean, Tim stars, Hardaway Jr. Like wants to come for seventy-one million dollars. Of, yeah,
2: of course he does. Just
1: pay him a lot of money; that, they'll come.
2: Yeah, over. didn't want to be players. here. We paid him a lot of money. Excellent. He came. Overpaying mediocre players and does not build a good team. But my thing with with Mello is that, you know, I think he showed excellent leadership this year, man. Now, he handled the Phil Jackson issue with such class. Now. So some of these other guys in the league would have, would have had a, a hissy fit. He would be airing all of his grievances to the media. And Carmelo Anthony showed such poise and maturity in the face of what was really just a bully in Phil Jackson. And he just, you know, he took on the chin, and, and he you know, didn't let it you know, get into the – no, he didn't let it be like a media war. Uh, I think that shows more leadership than anything he could do on the court. And then, you know, he had a budding superstar in Christoph Porzingis, and Melo is just eating up and loving it, loving having you know, another guy on the team that, that is, that's a superstar. He doesn't care that Kristoff's getting all, all the limelight. He's happy for him, and he wants him to grow. That's a leader, man. Now, I, don't, I don't know how much more of a leader you can be. Like, guess, like, he's never going to be a point guard. He's never going to be distributing the ball like, like a point guard. But in terms of leadership qualities, I'm not sure how much more of a leader Carmelo Anthony can be. He was excellent this year in terms of leadership ability. And when it comes to his style of play – I don't know why we ever thought he'd be anything more than what he was. He never showed anything in Denver that showed he'd be this LeBron James level player. We always knew he was an ISO shooter, and that was his game. Like, like he would distribute when he had a chance. He would rebound when he had the chance. But he was an ISO shooter. Having come in and be like, oh, well, you're going to do this now is dumb. Really, Carmelo hasn't let us down as Knicks fans. We've let Carmelo Anthony down. We owe him an apology. This man has done everything he possibly this thing, he's done everything he possibly could for the Knicks, uh, and Knicks fans have killed him for it. Knicks executives have killed him for it, and it's not his fault. He, he has done everything he possibly can. The only reason that I think Carnell should get out of here is because I think he deserves better than New York. He deserves to go somewhere that actually he's, he's appreciated because uh, New York is – honestly, you do not appreciate him enough. The Knicks don't appreciate him enough. I'm hoping Steve Mills does, but uh, – as in terms of talent, I would love to keep coming at on the roster. But like I said, I think he deserves so much better.
1: He does. He deserves better than what he's got. You know, and, and he's wanted to be in New York. He wanted to come here. And in terms of being a leader this year, yeah, he he did. He 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 bit the bullet and he kept his mouth shut and he just went out there and just, just tried to play and, and he knew he was not on a very good team. And that's what he's been doing for the last couple of years now. And like you said, he deserves to be on a good team and to to have an opportunity to win a championship. But my definition of a leader on the court would be somebody who kind of motivates his teammates and stands up for them and kind of calls them out every once in a while and will do anything it takes to win. And I didn't see a lot of that out of Carmelo Anthony. I saw a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my shots. I'm worried about getting things set up for me and building my own brand here in New York and getting max money and things like that. You know, you, now you see a guy like Kevin Durant taking a pay cut and trying to get, you know, pieces in there to build. Carmelo could have done that, but he didn't. What do you mean?
2: What do you, what do you mean that, oh, because Kevin Durant took a pay cut to go to the greatest team that hit the NBA. He's a leader. That makes a leader?
1: Yeah, I didn't say he was a leader. I'm just saying, I'm not saying he's a leader. I'm saying he, he, he's a good team player, a good organizational guy.
2: If Corel Anthony only cared about his brand, he would hate Christoph Porzingis. And he stuck up for Christoph Prezengas, uh when he, when he left and didn't do his meeting with Phil because obviously he shouldn't have because Phil's a schmuck. He stood up for Christoph Porzingis. And we all know what he was like behind closed doors. As, it, as we could tell from this Phil Jackson saga, it seems like Carmelo keeps his stuff in house. You know, some, sometimes calling out players to the media is not the way to go. You can call them out to your locker room. Actually, that's well. I don't even better. think he's done that. And how do you know though? I feel like, like I said, from what we because we've seen, we've heard nothing saga, about that. Because there's been, been no reports or anything. Why would there be reports that if, if he does it by himself to just a teammate? Listen, the, the loose list in the Knicks organization was Phil Jackson. Do you think Phil Jackson would know about anything Carmelo's doing in the locker room?
1: Well, not Phil Jackson, but I'm saying, you know, a lot of these times that that, that people find out about these things, and, and especially in New York, if something is happening and Carmelo oh. Anthony is doing something even remotely good, somebody will report on it. We haven't heard anything. What
2: What? they? Because the people in the New York media were so, you know, every day, we're so busy with the Phil Jackson story. You think they would actually have time to figure this stuff out? Absolutely not. Yes. No way that. Yes, because when
1: that whole Phil Jackson thing was going on, when that whole Phil Jackson thing was going on, even people in the media were like, "Wow, he's getting tortured by Phil Jackson right now." So, if there was some sliver of good that Carmelo was doing, it would have come out. The good he was doing was not saying anything.
2: I am am absolutely and kind of just taking in his stride. But I'm not going to judge Carmelo on you know, hearsay or, or, or what he may have or may have not done. From what, everything I saw, he's a leader. That's a leader. What he did this year shows leadership. Listen, I, just because a guy calls people out in the media doesn't make him a leader, it makes him a schmuck. It makes him a, it makes him a piece of crap teammate. He no, doesn't he, holds people,
1: he, holds, he doesn't no, hold people accountable. Not.
2: Absolutely not. No, you,
1: he never holds people accountable. Do, he just kind of does but, his own but, thing. But,
2: but going to the media is, is what holds people accountable? Oh, yeah. You know, we would do a lot better if Dave just hit a freaking shot, man. That's not a – that's not a leader. That's an ass.
1: You don't have to – I'm you not saying call media. people out like that. I'm saying just challenging people. Say, hey, we need to play tougher. We need to play harder. Not specifically calling people out, but just saying generally as a team.
2: That's – all that is is – Player speak, man. That's Derek Jeter cliche one on one, man. How's how is that doing anything?
1: I, I, I feel I, like it would 100%. be it, it would it would show leadership characteristics uh, if he would do something like that. His, he didn't do he, a lot of that.
2: He did he did everything he possibly could in terms of leadership, man.
1: I think I don't believe what that. he
2: did here I don't was absolutely amazing. You know, because honestly, I think I think you're overstating. And, and this is not just you. It's people in the media all freaking time. Where you know if we have a winning team. All of a sudden, their guys are the best freaking leaders. This doesn't show any more than what Carmelo did. You know, if, if, if well, Carmelo is the, the best player team, on the
1: team, he's supposed to be that guy. He's not, though.
2: No, he's not. What, it is so rare that the best player on the team is also the biggest leader. That is so rare. Everywhere. It's not just it? basketball. Yes, it's completely rare, man. You look at these teams on uh, – let's just look at the NFL, man. When you look at the guys who are going up for the coin toss, yeah, you also the quarterback. But then the rest of the guys on there are not always the best players. It's just the guys that are the most respected. You know, be, getting God-gifted talent doesn't make you a great leader. And, and you shouldn't be paying a guy to be the guy he's not. You know, if Melo's not the hoorah leader, if he's not the LeBron James leader or the Tim Duncan leader, He's never going to be. It's not not a characteristic, but he could be a silent leader, and he did it. I don't even think he's that. I I don't even think he's a silent
1: leader. leader. He he led by example?
2: Yeah, man. By being a black hole? By being a guy
0: who just holds the basketball and doesn't get his teammates involved? No,
2: no. He is not bad. No. Listen, you cannot blame a guy for the style of offense he's always played. Always plays, always play that style of offense. Be it, just because he has a certain. But it's not a of winning offense. Of Why do you not, continue no, to do something no. so and no, not not
1: have success Greg, from it?
2: Greg, you are confusing leadership with point guard characteristics. Those are two totally different. No, no, things. no not you point guard characteristics. I'm talking about yeah, basketball
1: game skills.
2: No, no, you're you're thinking you're thinking point guard characteristics. You're thinking field vision and ability to to know to get guys open. And dishing the ball. That's gaining character. Yes,
1: but you have to keep the ball that's moving in basketball. Get your teammates involved. You don't have to be a point guard to get your teammates involved. If a double team's coming or or if you're not in a good position to score the basketball, give it up.
2: That's never been Mellows that's never been his offense. He's always been.
0: Yeah, but that's the problem. I that's so why, sure. he that's, why, that's he why he hasn't won.
1: That's why he hasn't won.
2: What other, what other, other
1: NBA. Won. Yes, that is part of the reason he no, hasn't won because he not. hasn't I, been able to adjust. When, He's when a great he, scorer, but when, hasn't been a great no, teammate.
2: When what oh bad, bad Greg, absolutely bad Greg. When he when the Knicks were in the playoffs, Melo did everything he could. He was dishing the ball out, and his teammates would just not hit a freaking shot. It was so painful to see because Melo was doing everything he possibly could. He was making plays for his teammates. He was trying to elevate them and he would dish the ball out, and the guys would miss freaking layups. It was garbage. Melo has always been a good teammate. but and that, and that yeah, was He doesn't put that his team challenge. in good
1: positions to be successful.
2: No, abs- no you, you're, your outlook on Melo is, is
1: unfortunately flawed. I'm just being, I'm yeah. being truthful. No, He, he hasn't been, true- been a great you're, teammate.
2: You're, no, you're falling into the media. He has not been a good leader. No,
1: no, no, this is, is how this, I feel so about you, him. I love you, Carmelo. You
2: but you haven't seen winning basketball in like forty years, so it's hard for you to realize what a teammate. It is. I, haven't even
1: I haven't been around. I haven't team been around for forty years.
2: I know. That's what I'm saying. It's been you haven't seen winning basketball ever, <laughs> outside maybe the Ewing, uh, the Ewing years. But it's been yeah, so it was long, it was basically like the Ewing
1: years, and that's
2: it. It's been um, Marbury, man. But uh, no, oh, I God. absolutely, one hundred percent disagree with you. I think Melo has given everything he possibly can to this team. I think when he had the chance to be an excellent teammate, he was. Uh, but at the same time, you, know, you already made the point. And then,
1: then how do you explain with him coming back, like coming into to seasons looking like he's out of shape and that he's fat? Melo and that's not taking care of yourself. And fat. now you look at
2: Carmelo Anthony has always looked fat. That not when he was in Denver. He was off. not
1: fat in Denver.
2: Yes, he was. Not when he was, no, he wasn't. He was like 18. But he always had a gut. He always had a gut and double chin. That man originated the dad bod. Originated.
1: <laughs> originated the dad bod. Dad
2: bod. 1.0. That was his. Stuff. I remember when we. I uh, said I wasn't a huge basketball fan before we got Mellow because uh, you know, the Knicks were, were just
1: miserable. Let me. When I was let, growing, me growing up. let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Can do you think that Carmelo Anthony can be the best player on a championship team?
2: Uh, no, he probably had to be a one B.
1: There you go.
2: But what does that mean? So so the fact that he's not the best player on the team doesn't mean that he can't be a great player. Because
1: he cannot lead a team to the promised land. He can't be that one A guy.
2: Listen, not lead a guy. He can be a great piece. He can be
1: a great piece on a good team. He can be okay, that guy yeah. who can score the basketball a lot, shoot a lot. Not really now, but he doesn't do so, the intangibles. Just so give me the look, ball look, in my look, hand; I'll put it wait, in the basket. That's all he can do. Greg,
2: but Greg, let's just look back at the championship teams the last, you know, five six years. There are what four players with that with that characteristic? Three, maybe in the world. So yeah, Carmelo's not. Nice. It's, it's, it's almost not fair. It's almost world.
1: not fair to compare. It's almost not fair to compare because you've had LeBron James there, and then you know this Steph Curry and I mean, the Warriors. If you just
2: if you just, if you just look at these guys, yeah, yeah, LeBron, yeah, Steph, yeah, Kevin, and Carmelo you know, Anthony even, hasn't even been good enough has,
1: to lead this team to the playoffs. Let alone the promised land.
2: Well, listen, we're running an offense we run in a god awful
1: Eastern Conference. You should be able to get this team at least into the eighth seed. He yeah, hasn't been able yeah, to do it.
2: At, Listen, it, I do not put that on Mellow, but at the same listen, man, when you when you're trying when you say, Oh, he won't he can't lead a team, he can't tag a team to the promised land, there are four players who could have done that in the last six years, seven years, maybe five if you want to put Dirk in it from his when he you know, had that magical run with Dallas. Outside of that though, there are five players in the world. In the world. But and even- currently right now, there are probably three. And so, yeah, Carmelo Anthony's not one of the best three players in the world right now, and that's what we're going to get him on? Like, oh, how dare you not be one of the three best players
1: in the world? That's ridiculous.
2: That's absolutely okay, ridiculous. Okay, well, yes. And, and,
1: yes, being and able to lead to ad the ad promised league. land, he can't do. It's not possible to do because of the other players that are in his way. But he hasn't even been able to lead him to the playoffs. I guess that would have been even you know a better way to phrase that. You know, at least the Ewing-led teams in Oakley and Houston and Starks, they got to the playoffs. Year in and year out, that's a we're good right team. There
2: that's a every, good team. We yeah. had we had Melo and a rookie. We had we had Melo and a rookie. It was no, and we were running an offense from thirty years ago, who only was only a good offense because two of the best players in the history of the game were running that offense.
1: This was not so. Good. Carmelo, is, when it, when it's all said and done, Carmelo is in, and I'm looking at a poster of Carmelo Anthony. So you know, I love him right now. He got a poster of him in my living room as a, I'm looking at it as we speak. I like Carmelo Anthony. It's not all his fault. I'm not giving him 100% of the blame. Yes, it's part of the, it's, organ, it's an organizational problem. It's a problem with James Dolan. It's a problem with the president, you know, which was Phil Jackson. It's a problem with the general manager. If we just kept Donnie Walsh intact where he was as the president, and allowing him to make basketball decisions, the Knicks would probably have been a lot better over this time. Would they have won a championship? No. But would they have competed to get to the playoffs in every single year? I believe that they probably would because he was building something good there. And then James Dolan kind of got on that power trip and wanted to take back over control and, and get a little bit credit for, for everything that was going on and brought his, own, brought his own people and elevated his own people up. And, and now he's just elevated another one of his pieces up in Steve Mills. So, I mean, I am very skeptical. I like the hire of Scott Perry because that's kind of what we're coming back toward here towards here. But I just I don't know if, uh, if this team can compete. But like you mentioned, and I will agree with you on this. It's not 100% Carmelo's fault. I know you don't, you don't blame Carmelo at all, but I'm going to give him a little bit of the blame, and I'm also going to give the blame to the organization because they did not help him whatsoever.
2: I think, if, if anything, it's 90-10. 90 on the Knicks, 10% on Melo, that's it.
1: I would say about 60-40. No, 90-10. Absolutely 90 the uh, On the Knicks. All right. Well, that is just about our time here. As we've uh, spent a lot of time on the New York Knicks. Uh, well, let me before we get out of here. Let me let me quickly ask you about how do you feel about uh, you know I know we kind of talked about it last week and and we touched on it. Uh, what's your feeling on the Yankees going forward? You know they they're, they're slipping a little bit. The Rays are ahead of them now in in the uh, American League East. This is uh, it's not been good. I, I think they split this weekend with the uh, with the Red Sox and. They're three and a half games back right now of uh of the Red Sox in the top spot and they're only a game and a half above Minnesota and two games above Kansas City in the wild card stand.
2: Listen, man, this year is they should treat twenty seventeen as a full year preseason for twenty eighteen. That's they are building towards twenty eighteen. I'm excited for what they have with uh twenty eighteen. You know, they split with Boston two two. Um which, you know, Boston is really a better team than, uh, than the Yankees. And I fact, they were able to split it was good. Um, if they make the playoffs, that's wonderful. That's excellent. But really, they should be – if they're going to buy at all at the, day, at the deadline, it should be a piece for 2018, not for 2017. Uh, that's what they're looking for. This is, this is a, a year to get their guys ready for next year because next year is when the Yankees can really be uh, a team you reckon with. Um But this this year, though, was just it's a lot of fun to watch. But I don't think they go anywhere.
1: Aaron Judge will he continue his 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 torrid pace here uh, and and get himself into uh, the AL Rookie of the Year and and possibly even the MVP race? Easily,
2: absolutely. The fact that he's from the place for the Yankees already puts him in the category for both of those. Uh, will he continue? <laughs> you know, I would say no. But this man is just apparently not a human. Uh, so I'm going to say maybe I, – I feel like at some point he has to he has to dip off. But, you know, I, we, I've been saying this since May, and we're in July, and it hasn't happened yet. So I guess we'll just have to, have to see.
1: Yeah, uh, he had a tough series against the Red Sox. He went one hit in that whole series. Uh, I, I don't think he'll I, – I, I have a hard time believing that he'll – He'll win the mvp award in his rookie year here uh but i do think he'll he'll still be definitely right up there as one of the the uh if not one of the top if not the top uh al rookie of the year candidates so uh we'll we'll definitely yeah. see what happens with with uh with aaron judge it's going to be it's going to be interesting
2: yeah and no, he only had one hit this uh, this last uh what this last series had one hit but either way he Oh, he had a home run, Rob. It's not, so it wasn't like he was striking out. He was, you no know, or oh, every yeah, at-bat. He was still making great contact. Uh, but, yeah, I, I definitely think, I definitely think no matter what, he's going to be in the conversation for MVP. I, again, I don't think he's going to win it. enough that the Yankees going to enough games for him to be in that discussion. But uh, Rookie of the Year, I think, at this point, almost a lock. It.
1: He did have six strikeouts this weekend, though. Yeah, some things happen. Things happen. God, this they this, certainly this, this, do. This, this, this outro music, man. <laughs> like you said, in the movie. This is, for what? What are we doing
2: after this? I'm afraid. I'm
1: scared. I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna. I'm gonna light some candles, cook some food right. up. We're gonna watch some uh, some Ewing Knicks. <laughs> yes, and we're gonna put on a on a on a tape of the oh God, early the tape. <laughs> to mid '90s Nick. And just watch the lovely, smooth game of Patrick Ewing down on the post. <laughs> <laughs> How basketball uh, is supposed to be played. The 90s New York Knicks. Yeah. They watch them lose to the Bulls. Hey, enough of that. Anyways, we got to get up out of here. Greg Lauder here, Matt Stopsky here for the Big Apple Sports Hour with Stopsky and G. Thank you again to the listeners and to Dan Ionofsky for jumping on and give us, giving us some all-star insights, you know, pun intended, and uh, talking a little bit about the New York Mets as well. And uh, agree to disagree on the New York Knicks. Tell us your thoughts on our Facebook page or on Twitter, at Stopsky and G Podcasting on Facebook, at Stopsky and G on Twitter. Matty, say goodbye to the people. Bye, bébé.